Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is our Reformation Sunday. Think back of how God used Martin Luther to reform the church, to bring the church back to the gospel, to the word of God. Our order of service is in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 203, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Well, you're used to often hearing my wife Ruth accompany us. She's gone visiting her sister right now, so today we, and we're going to do the service a cappella. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would seek to overthrow your Son and to destroy what he has done. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your Christendom that we may sing your praise eternally. O Comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. We worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle reading for this Reformation Sunday is from 
Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verses 19 to 28. In this section, Paul contrasts law and gospel and reminds us how we are justified by faith and not by keeping the law, because we can't keep the law. Paul wrote, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, his just because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Alleluia. Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Alleluia. 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 Our gospel reading is from John chapter 8 verses 31 to 36. Here Jesus talks about how we have true freedom in the word and holding to the message of God's word. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We'll sing our next hymn, hymn number 200, A Mighty Fortress. A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. 
He helps us free from every need that has us now or taken. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. With might of ours cannot be done, soon were our loss effected. But for us fights the valiant one, whom God himself elected. You ask, who is this? Jesus Christ it is, the Almighty Lord, and there's no other God. He holds the field forever. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us. We tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will, he can harm us none. He's judged, the deed is done. One little word can fell him. The word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it. He's by our side upon the plain, with his good gifts and spirit, and do what they will, hate, steal, hurt, or kill, though all may be gone, our victory is won, the kingdom's ours forever. grace and love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with us always. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this Reformation Sunday is our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow benefactors of the Reformation, oh, you've heard the story before about the Reformation, the man that God used to reform the church over 500 years ago, that was Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, oh, we could say that he grew up in what we'd probably describe as being a Christian home, but actually, when you think about it, was it really? Because, well, Martin Luther didn't know Jesus as the Savior who paid for all of his sins. And because he didn't know that, well, maybe his family did talk about that. We don't know for sure. But he didn't know Jesus as his Savior from sin, and so he was afraid of God. He would constantly look at his life and compare that with the law of God and say, I've sinned, I've fallen short of the glory of God and he was absolutely certain that because of that, he was going to hell. He knew he would be condemned. And in an attempt to get right with God, well, he ended up entering into a monastery, becoming a monk, thinking that by living the solitary life of a monk that somehow or other that could give him peace with God and get rid of that fear that he possessed. But in the monastery, maybe he had too much time to think even. And he felt even more afraid of God. He thought that he could find peace there, but he didn't find it. He just knew that he was a sinner who had fallen short of the glory of God. He couldn't find peace. And what Luther even did on a number of occasions is he to try to get the sin out of himself, he beat himself and maybe even got himself close to death with how he beat himself, trying to get the sin out of himself, trying to think that that could get him, get rid of his sins and give him a peace with God, but it didn't work. Finally, there was an old monk who pointed Martin Luther to the scriptures then Martin Luther was able to dig into the scriptures and see its message where it talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and how God gives us a righteousness that makes us holy before God when we on our own would not be. He talks about the forgiveness of sins, that righteousness from God, and that finally gave Luther peace. In faith, or through faith, he realized that he no longer had to be afraid of God because of Jesus. 
God used the Reformation to bring that information also to us. We don't have to be afraid of God because of Jesus. And so our reading for today, it's getting us to praise God for our Reformation heritage, for everything that we receive through the Reformation, the blessings we receive. Praise God for our Reformation heritage because, well, the Reformation means for us that every heart and mind can know the Lord. And now every priest, every believer is a priest of God and every sinner can find true comfort in the message of God's grace and love. Oh, the book of Jeremiah. There are plenty of places in that book where it's tough to read because it largely consists of denunciations and condemnations against, well, the people of Judah for their idolatry, against other nations and against specific individuals because of their rebellion against God because they worshiped idols. It's a tough book to read for that reason. And because God directed him, Jeremiah told the people that what would happen because of their rejection of God, well, what was going to happen is that the Babylonian armies would come in and carry off so many of the Jews into a 70-year captivity, that Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. In our text, though, and in the verses surrounding our reading, what Jeremiah does instead of talking about those denunciations and condemnations, he instead talks on a positive note. He talks about how, yeah, the captivity would come, but how the day would come when Judah would be freed, when the people would return to Jerusalem and, and rebuild the temple. But that's only a partial fulfillment of what Jeremiah was writing about. There's also a greater fulfillment, and that is that, that is that freedom, not from a captivity in Babylon, but a freedom from the captivity of sin. You know, we, we all by nature were slaves to Satan, sin, death, and hell. But because of Jesus, we've been freed from that captivity. The Lord said, The time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Oh, the Jews, they may have thought that God had totally rejected them with that captivity and with the exile, and, and maybe they wondered, well, was God going to just forget about his promises, the promise of sending the Savior? And to calm such troubled thoughts and to give hope and comfort to the faithful people in Israel, God informs them that what he's going to do is he's going to give them a new covenant. God describes that new covenant by saying, It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. The old covenant that God is referring to here is the Sinaitic covenant. 
that covenant that God made with his people back at Mount Sinai after the Israelites had been freed from their slavery in Egypt. And now that old covenant, it had rules and regulations, many laws, it had ceremonies, and celebrations and festivals that the, that the Israelites were supposed to carry out all the time. They had all of those things, all of those things that they were to focus on, but really all of those laws, what they were supposed to do is designed to keep the Israelites, keep the people thinking about the promised Messiah. The laws were there to show them their sins and their need for a savior. And well, the law showed them their sin and they were guilty of so many sins as we are. But the Lord was so patient and merciful to them as, as it says here, he was a husband to them. They broke God's covenant by their idolatry and other wickedness. But God didn't want them when they thought of their sin and their rebellion against God to think that that sin and rebellion meant that God wasn't going to keep his promise. That God wasn't ultimately going to send Jesus to be the savior. So he speaks here, the Lord speaks here of a new covenant. And it actually wasn't a new covenant. It's the same promise that was made to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. But this covenant doesn't emphasize ceremonial laws and regulations like the Sinaitic covenant did. Instead, this covenant, it emphasizes the complete forgiveness of sins in Jesus. God says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The law that God refers to here is really his holy will that consists of both law and gospel. When the Holy Spirit calls us to faith, he puts into our hearts that God's will and especially the gospel in our hearts. In faith then, we can know our loving Lord and Savior. We can know we are part of our Heavenly Father's believing family. But now the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in our hearts, that of course is the Word of God. And in Luther's day, the Bible was not an easily accessible book. There were few books in those days. The, the printing press was invented in Europe in the 1430s. But in Luther's early years, the books that did exist, they were very expensive and they weren't accessible to the general public. They weren't in general circum circulation. And the Bible wasn't even translated into the language of the common people there in, in Germany, Luther, around the Martin Luther. But in the Reformation, what God did is God had Luther do so many things. And one of the things is that he, he translated the Bible into the common language of the people. 
and the use of the printing press became very common so more people could read the Bible and hear and learn about God's love for us in Christ Jesus and learn about the forgiveness of sins. You know, the Bible wasn't readily accessible to them, but now we're so blessed in this regard today. The Bible, it's readily available to all of us. It's not a hidden treasure. And, and in most of our homes, there's at least one and perhaps many more Bibles. Bible, very accessible. You can have it on your cell phone. You have easy access to it. And if you don't have a Bible in your home, what I'd always say is, let me know. And if you want one, I'll be happy to give you one. But it's readily accessible to us. And since in our Bibles we can learn about God's love, let's dig into them like Martin Luther did so that the Holy Spirit can work on our hearts and strengthen us in our faith in our Savior Jesus. Let's use our Bibles not as decorations on a coffee table or dust collectors on a bookshelf, but as the faith-strengthening tools that God the Holy Spirit wants them to be. The Lord here further distinguishes between the Old and the New Covenant. He says, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Under the new covenant, it will not be necessary, it says here, for a man to teach his brother to know the Lord. That's not trying to say that religious instruction is to be done away with. Rather, it means that this inward knowledge of God's grace, which was formerly conveyed only through mediators like Moses and the prophets and the priests, that would be conveyed instead by the Holy Spirit to all men through the gospel message of forgiveness. And now just think about it. The Israelites at Mount Sinai, they were afraid to be in the presence of the Lord and they said, Moses, you talk to God and then you come back to us. They needed those mediators like Moses and the prophets and the priests. That's what they needed back then. That's what they needed back then. But now, well, we have access to God and his grace because of what Jesus has done for us. We can look directly to God in the new covenant, we're placed in this immediate relationship with our God by the Holy Spirit through the forgiveness of sins that's won for us in Christ. Oh, on, on most occasions when I have purchased a car, I have talked to a salesman with whom I tried to make a deal. But that salesman, what he always ended up having to do is go and talk to his boss to find out if the deal was accurate or was going to be acceptable. And because I was always trying to get the deal down to the lowest possible price I could get, well, what happened is that that salesman that I talked with, well, he had to leave 
who knows how many times to go talk to his boss to find out if the deal would go, was going to work. And oh, on any number of occasions, I'd said, well, why don't you just let me talk to your boss? Because you're just a middleman who doesn't have the real authority. I didn't like talking to someone who didn't have real authority. But now because Jesus came to pay for our sins, what we have is we have direct access to God. We have direct access to our Heavenly Father. Every believer is a priest of God. We don't have to go through a middleman. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can go to God individually ourselves and say, Our Father who art in heaven. We can go directly to our Heavenly Father or to the Holy Spirit or to, to God the Son, to Jesus with our problems, whether they're big or small. So let's take advantage of that direct access that we have to our God. Let's regularly, often, faithfully take whatever concerns or troubles we have in this life to our God and then trust in him to take care of us. And then let's also remember to thank him for his care and blessings. God said, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's what God tells us in the new covenant. And those words must have meant such comfort for the people of Judah. They knew their sinfulness. They knew what they deserved. But this promise from God assured them that despite their wickedness and their breaking of the Sinaitic covenant by their unfaithfulness, well, the promise of salvation would be theirs through this new covenant of pure grace. And now as believers today, we're also under that covenant of pure grace. We know God. We know the forgiveness of sins and how wonderful it is for us to know that when God forgives us of our sin, our sins are gone forever because Jesus paid for them. Jesus eradicated them with his death on the cross. He paid for them completely with his death and resurrection. And now that's the greatest comfort that we could ever have. Because of Jesus, our sins are gone forever and we're going to heaven. Before the Reformation, the teaching that we are saved by grace alone was very much hidden. And that's why someone like Martin Luther and probably many others of his day were afraid of God. Luther, he only knew God as a God who punished people for their sin and not as a God of grace and mercy. Through the Reformation, though, the Holy Spirit, he caused God's word and his grace to reach out to sinners like Luther and us who need that grace and love so we can know the Lord and know how he hates sin but loves the sinner for Jesus' sake. We are now priests of God who have this direct access to God. And we can have this comfort, true comfort, 
in knowing that our sins are gone forever through the blood of Christ. And, and what we have the wonderful privilege of doing is sharing that wonderful message which says you don't have to be afraid of God. You can look at him as your loving Heavenly Father. You can look forward to being with him forever because of the blood of Christ. We have that wonderful message to share. And now those are the blessings of the res, the Reformation. So let's praise God for our Reformation heritage, for everything that that means for us. Knowing we don't have to be afraid of God. Knowing we have the forgiveness of sins. Knowing we're going to heaven. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our refuge and strength, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in all temptations. Defend them against all their enemies and bestow on the church your saving peace. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And we also, in our prayers, oh, I'll ask you to keep praying for my dad. We pray. Lord God, we thank you for all the grace and mercy you gave to Pastor's dad. And, and as his life, oh, as he gets weaker, as he gets closer and closer to heaven, and we are all getting closer and closer to heaven, to our eternal home, please keep on giving him your grace and love. Keep on building him up, strengthening him in faith, and maybe we see him physically weaker, but we can see him strong in Jesus, and may all of us be strong in Jesus. If it's according to your will, grant us who are dealing with different physical ills, grant healing and comfort. 
but especially again, give us your grace and love. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We'll join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. And we'll also sing a hymn you almost have to sing on the Reformation, that is hymn 293, God's word is our great heritage. God's word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever to spread its light from age to age shall be our chief endeavor through life it guides our way, in death it is our stay. Lord, grant while worlds endure, we keep its teachings pure. Throughout all joining me for worship today. Just a couple of announcements to share with you. Monday is Reformation Day. Today we celebrated Reformation Sunday, but Monday is actually Reformation Day. Back in 1517, October 31st, that's when Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on the castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany, where the beginning of the Reformation, we think of that taking place. Monday is also Forrest Ripley and Tammy Wine's birthday. Wednesday, Marianne Plotty and Deb Spitzley have birthly, birthdays. Thursday is Calvary's 59th anniversary, and maybe if you think about that, that means next year is 60 years, and we'll want to think about some special way to celebrate that anniversary of our congregation. 
Saturday is Lou Christmas's birthday. Saturday is also the day that, well, at 2 o'clock Sunday morning anyway, that daylight savings time officially ends, and that means you're supposed to set your clocks back an hour before going to bed on, on Saturday night. I've told you about my dad. He's moved into a hospice care situation. Don't know what exactly the Lord has in store for him, except that heaven is what is in store for him. But we don't know how long he'll be here in this life now. But he is deteriorating a bit. But as I said, he's strong in the Lord. We keep Paul in our prayers as she deals with the infection she's dealing with in her legs. and. Well, Stan Krosick, we keep him in our prayers, still dealing with shingles and, and having just lost a, a daughter who passed away. Colleen, I think, doing quite well following her shingles. And, uh, well, look at all those people who are on our prayer list. Please keep them all in your prayers. The Lord bless and keep you always.